It's October 19th, 2003, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So 10,000 people are gathered by the side of the Thames, and street magician come illusionist David Blaine has just come back down to earth after spending 44 days in this glass box, in this stunt that he'd called Above the Below, and there was cheering and there was jeering and he had lost a lot of weight because he hadn't eaten anything for the whole time that he'd been up there Uh, and the first thing that he says as he descends back down to earth is I love you all which was a feeling that wasn't massively reciprocated by the people who were waiting for him. It was a real damp squib of an ending really because Dizzy Rascal decided to hijack the big finale when David Blame was going to come out of the box. He started going down the river in a party boat blaring just the rascal which is then obviously in the background of all of the footage of David Blaine emerging from the box. I remember the night that he came out of that glass box I remember watching it on channel four and I remember thinking yeah I'm a Tommy Cooper man like this isn't magic as far as I'm concerned this is just really weird I mean I remember it started the narrator who was sort of you know presenting it in very austere tones when it started actually said Tonight you will be able to see close up the effects of starvation upon his body. <laughs> Just like, give me Wizardora and a red curtain. Chris Rock called him a trickless magician, and he had this bit where he was like, what's his latest trick? Living in a glass box and not eating? That ain't no trick. That's called living in the projects. You know? right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was what was so incredibly distasteful about it as well, wasn't it? And that's what people had an issue with, apart from... Just the incredible self-grandiosity of it in the first place. But had he really only had water, there was a lot of speculation at the time that he was maybe having glucose dissolved into his water supply, which doesn't, in fairness, sound like he was up there enjoying a succulent feast. (laughs) Incidentally, he isn't the person who's survived for longest without food. That isn't one of his records. That uh, title goes to a chap called Peter Skilberg, uh, a Swedish man who got stuck in his car and f- survived for two months uh, buried in snow. It really does call into question, you know, what is the nature of magic? Is it magic if you're just actually doing it? And he himself was calling it a piece of performance art. And it sort of seems like it's more performance art than it is magic, really. There's a, a really... <laughs> hilarious article about this that I found in the Telegraph which is how did David Blaine do it and it goes through trick by trick how did David Blaine uh, pierce a needle through his arm and the answer is well he spent a really long time trying to find the safest possible passage for a really (laughs) dangerous piece of self-mutilation and he put a needle through his arm how does David Blaine regurgitate a frog well he eats a frog and he voms up the frog that's what he does (laughs) it's like that's not magic he certainly doesn't try and disguise the way he does the tricks as well. You know, he, it, In fact, tricks is, is not even really the word, these feats of endurance. Uh, he did a stunt in 2008. He held his breath for 17 minutes, four and a half seconds, setting a new world record. And he gave this TED talk about it and basically just goes through all the things that he tried, you know, breathing in pure oxygen, that kind of thing, mm. hooking himself up to IVs, just literally everything you can imagine until he eventually just made himself able to do that and I mean it is I don't know maybe it is magic because it does make you question what the human body is capable of which I guess is a form of magic or maybe it's parading around a certain kind of self-harm as entertainment I mean that's the other thing that's kind of just a bit depressing about it isn't it it's like he not that he has a death wish but that obviously his whole style is kind of like look at me I'm a bit damaged and that in itself makes me want to look away 
Yeah, and he actually, he, he does also have a little bit of a death wish. I mean, he's, he spoke in <laughs> advance of this thing about saying that it was sort of, it was going to be a really pure event. And if, if it went that way, well, so be it. I want to be remembered as the greatest showman who ever lived and then died. Ollie, it's interesting that you say that you found it very difficult to stomach and you couldn't look away because the reaction of London at the time was very much the opposite. Uh, Londoners seemed to delight in tormenting David Blaine. It sort of became a national pastime for 44 days. Uh, That includes things like throwing eggs at his perspex box, using a remote control helicopter to fly up a bag of hamburgers to torment him with. <laughs> people held up signs. And that wasn't people. That was a Sunday tabloid. I mean, when I say it wasn't people, it may have been the Sunday people. I didn't see which Sunday tabloid it was. <laughs> but, but it was it was a pre-drone publicity stunt. Yes. People brought Bangra drums from home to wake him up in the morning with. Apparently people would yell at him in the early hours and say hilarious things like, wake up, David, you're going to be late for work. <laughs> that is so British though, isn't it? <laughs> it was great because he had a message written on the side of his Perspex box which was very mystical and it was very like, I believe in one humanity, blah, blah, blah. And on the ground, people are holding signs that say, you're a wanker. But that's kind of his problem, wasn't it? And it still is actually, that his timing is often off. This had come just after the start of the Iraq war when Britain was feeling particularly sensitive about having joined America. And he was this American who was on their doorstep being quite pretentious, let's face it. And he was just able to be the fall guy for a lot of this sort of pent up anti-Americanism. And, you know, it, it carries on to this day, like his most recent stunt, this thing called Ascension, where he basically goes up style and he he grabbed a bunch of helium balloons and flew over the desert in Arizona. He did it just before the 2020 presidential election in the middle of the COVID pandemic against the backdrop of Black Lives Matter protests. It just seems so frivolous. But it's it's the presenting himself as a hero. I think that the British reaction, the natural instinctive British reaction is essentially a version of Jarvis Cocker mooning at Michael Jackson at the Brits, isn't it? (laughs) It's just like, who do you think you are? Like, take your Messiah complex somewhere else. That's definitely it. It's the idea that he's doing all this to himself, you know, putting himself through all this torture. And I think the reaction was very much what do you want a cookie he probably did want a cookie (laughs) we prefer an illusionist like Darren Brown who puts all the pain on other people you know you watch his specials he makes people think that they've killed someone he makes people think they're living in a zombie apocalypse and we can't get enough (laughs) of that but when you do it to yourself like don't expect the British public sympathy but also the reaction was entirely predictable Uh, if you actually watch the video of the press conference that David Blaine gave before he went into a glass box for 44 days one of the journalists there actually asks him There's going to be a lot of drunken louts on a Friday night walking around Tower Bridge looking up at you and they're going to throw things at you like eggs. That's basically what one of the journalists says before the stunt starts because obviously (laughs) it's London on a Friday night and you can see in his face this this given circumstance is just something that has not occurred to him and he just mumbles something about, oh, we'll have security. And he literally has not considered that possibility that, oh God, he's chosen the wrong country to do this in. Do you read about the guy who actually climbed the crane and tried to sever the cable in the middle of the night? Yeah. Even if he's thinking, oh, I'll show him, self-indulgent American (laughs) narcissist. I mean, mean, presumably that would be murder if you you cut the cable (laughs) holding up a Perspex box with an international celebrity in it and they went plummeting to the ground and died. What's the point you've made there? Well, I think I think you presume that it was done with a great deal of intent and, uh, you know, Mission Impossible style rigor mm. when it actually probably was one of those Friday night lads out on the piss yeah. <laughs> and they get up there. <laughs> We've all been up a crane. <laughs> That's not intended murder. <laughs> 
how did he go to the toilet? I was wondering if either of you have uh, investigated this. I do know the answer to this one. And he took up diapers with him, uh, adult sized diapers. Uh, and presumably he didn't have to go to the toilet very much increasingly as the, as time went on, particularly for number twos. That's um, number twos. What about the number ones? He did. There is a transcript from Larry King Live. So I do know his firsthand answer to this. Rebecca, do you know how he did number one? Was it magic? <laughs> what he did is he had um, some sort of receptacle under his blanket uh, and then he weed into a tube and the tube actually went like down the crane and out yeah. of the perspex Oh, that's box. so stupid. You can tell he's not British because he should have had a water gun up there and he could have pissed into it and then fired <laughs> it all the people who are throwing the eggs at him. <laughs> the perfect response. <laughs> Tomorrow. It was used in baby carriages and also it was this cheap and readily available form of rat killer. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.